Hello, Nevadans. This is the NV Politics Podcast, where we discuss local political hot topics in the state of Nevada to keep you informed on what's going on. We're your hosts. I'm Dominique Labonte. And I'm Tim Hannafin. And we're recording this episode of NV Politics on May 7th, 2023. So let's get into it. All right. It's only been three days since we uh, got to do this thing, but we're Very really soon. excited uh, because today uh, what our time's going to look like is we get to talk to Ryan Vortish and we are also going to be wrapping everything up with our What Broke Your Brain segment at the end. But before we jump into everything, I want to take a second to introduce Ryan. How long have we been previewing this? What do you mean? Like, didn't we mention this in an episode or two? <laughs> Just wanted to kind of point that out of like, yeah, this I, has been a long time coming. It has been a long time coming. <laughs> yes. I want to say like, this is pro- at least three episodes we talked about doing this and everybody, it's finally happening. So we're very excited to finally have the chance to interview Ryan, who is currently an intern at the Nevada legislature during this current session that Tim and I have been talking so much about. He is the legislative reporter for the ACLU of Nevada. Ryan is pursuing his undergrad in criminal justice with an emphasis in law and a minor in journalism overachiever at UNR and began his internship back in January of this year. Today, he's with us speaking on behalf of himself and his views are his own. So Ryan, I'm sure it's been quite an experience and we're really looking forward to unpacking all of this with you today and welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So when I got the the luxury of being an intern in Washington, D.C., the easiest way to describe my experience was I got to see how the sausage was made and it was amazing and I loved it. And I want to know, like, what's the most surprising or interesting or just crazy, like sausage making thing that you've seen? The veil gets removed. What, what can you tell <laughs> us about that? Uh, it's really random, but I think the most surprising <laughs> thing to me is that once it starts, it does not stop. Like it's not a nine to five Monday through Friday kind of thing. It's a like 8 a.m. to 11 p.m., Monday through Sunday, does not stop type of process, which is kind of crazy, especially the closer that you get to uh, deadlines. Like, it's just, it's going, and it doesn't stop, and you got to run with it, or you're not going to keep up. Um, and that was kind of shocking. I think the other thing that was kind of shocking as well is how many opportunities there are for the public to get involved with the process, and it's crazy that this is the moment where um, we have, you know, some power to be able to make real change in the laws that shape our society. And so many people are unaware of how the process works, um, how to get involved, or, you know, even what's being discussed in the legislature. So it, that's just mind boggling to me as well. Just the follow up on that before we get into the other further questions. There was at least one experience that I I like reserved because I had almost exclusive access or I was able to get the behind the veil access. And do you have one of those yet? Or do you plan on getting one of those before your credentials go away? Like, and it could even be just seeing someone's testimony from the other side, but like, is the story comes to mind where you're like, I will always be saying like, Oh, I got to do this. I would say probably not yet. Um, I have some projects that I'm working on right now for the ACLU that I think will be 
more veil revealing for me in the future. So you can check out the social media pages there to see more about it. Okay, so I'll quantify my question then. I got to walk through the Capitol <laughs> with no one in it. Wow, so really? I, I, That's I, pretty cool. I showed up two hours early just before, <laughs> like, well, okay, so How I had to... How old were you when you did this? I was a, I was just out of my freshman year of college. So I was nice. between a freshman and a sophomore. It was during the week that I was in what I called the gulag, but it was actually just the diversity office who had a really, really strict boss. And I didn't, I've never worked in an office environment, so I didn't know how to navigate that at the time. Mm, so it was mm -hmm. just a week of absolute hell. <laughs> With that being said, I also learned a lot that week. And one day I decided I'm going to take the train in extra early because I kind of had to. And it was just bad timing. So I ended up being there before any offices were open. And I had an intern badge. So I got full access to everywhere. So I just wandered the halls. Do you have something like that? Or are you planning on doing something like that in the legislature? And if you aren't, I hope you are. And or I give you an idea. I mean, that's definitely an idea. I will say I do have a press badge so I can get in most places. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't I haven't snuck around in an empty Capitol building yet, but maybe that's something I have to add to my list. Yeah, I, you should. <laughs> yeah, do it. Because if you have the, if you have a badge that will get you most places, even when they're not like open to the public, I I would recommend it. <laughs> I'm gonna have to write that down. I kind of actually had a, a follow up a little bit oh. to Tim's question around. Hey, you got this opportunity to see how the, the sausage is made. And it sounds like you've, you know, had some cool experience in wrapping your mind around it and seeing how many people ha haven't wrapped their mind around it. I'm curious if this experience has impacted your perception of the state government itself or local government and how it works. Yeah, I think it definitely has. Um, I think... A lot of times, you know, we vote for our legislators, and after that, we kind of look at that as, you know, that's the most we can do, right? Mm -hmm. Voting is our ultimate power. Um, but really, there's so many opportunities past that, too. Um, I mean, legislators are available to speak with their constituents. That is their whole job. And you can email them. You can call them. You can go to their office and talk to them. Like, they're there for you. I think, too, it's been interesting to kind of see, I guess, some of the issues that, you know, during elections, they'll talk about, you know, this is important to me. This is something I can stand by. And it's interesting to then see how, you know, what bills then they decide they want to sponsor, um, whether that lines up with, you know, the values they said that they had that got them into the office in the first place, mm -hmm. but also the ways that they choose to vote on other bills. Um, and kind of looking at that accountability feature of, you know, are you sticking by what you said you were going to do? Have you observed uh, some of that where some have not? <laughs> I would say yes. Um, <laughs> uh, we're definitely at a point now, too, where I think for the most part, you know, a lot of bills just got out of the committee or out of their first house. Um but some of the some of the committee votes did have me questioning a little bit, like, huh, I didn't think you were going to vote this way on this issue. And I mean, you know, a lot of legislators can reserve their right to uh, vote on a particular issue. But it's been 
interesting to see which ways people sway. Like, for example, on some of the, the fentanyl legislation, it was interesting to, to me to see uh, which legislators out of the committee. I can't remember. might have been the, the Senate Committee on Judiciary. I can't remember exactly which one. But interesting to see, huh, you know, I didn't think you would uh, vote to pass this forward, but all right, I guess. Um, so it's kind of... Was it a nice surprise or a bad surprise? <laughs> I, I, bad surprise for me. Okay. Um, <laughs> just, uh, but I mean, I guess that's kind of how the cookie crumbles in some ways mm-hmm. too, you know? Um, just as much as they're supposed to listen to their constituents, they are supposed to listen to all Nevadans. And, you know, I think a lot of people definitely have been taught that tough on crime is the way to go. And so, uh, you know, I guess that that really is just politics, too, to a degree is, you know, maybe not always sticking by what you think is right so much as what you think could get you reelected or get you the win for for majority of Nevadans. So it's been interesting for sure. Do you want to do you want to repeat that, put that on a gold plaque and get that framed somewhere? <laughs> right. I, uh, right. Do you know how often I've had to have that conversation with some people? Yep. Like those exact words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's the reality. Definitely. I mean, at the end of the day, these legislators don't want to lose their job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although, as we've said many times before, it's not like they're making a ton of money or anything. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then again, there there have been positive surprises too, right? So, I mean, it, it's not all negative, but I think... <laughs> Those were definitely the ones that I was kind of like, whoa, all right. I didn't expect you to do that, but all right, I guess. So, okay. yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it's got to go both ways at some point. Right. You mentioned legislators being available to speak to their constituents. I've, I've heard some, I just, I cracked up when you said that, cause I'm not going <laughs> to name any, but I've definitely heard some stories of some certain senators where it's actually impossible to schedule a meeting with them. And they that own, I could, it's like you knew where I was going, Tim. They only host, well, no, no, no. Like I know of a certain senator that only hosts office hours, and it's essentially the idea of if I'm in my office, you can meet with me. Wow. I'm again. I'm not going to name the name, yeah, but like no, I heard this, and I was like, oh my. Yeah. So that geez. was my question for you, Ryan. Right. So you're saying like, hey, they're supposed to be available, the representatives, to to be able to speak and listen to their constituents. And so how often realistically have you observed this occurring? And are there certain groups, maybe, I guess maybe that'd be the safest way to put it, who seem to do it more than others? I could say so. Yeah. And I mean, I think I could definitely say I have a skewed perception too, right? Because I'm lucky enough coming into this uh, experience, representing an organization where uh, you know, they're going to be more likely to talk to me anyways. Um, and that's just kind of how it is. Uh, well, okay. And just to clarify, do you have a lobbyist <laughs> label on your badge or is it press? No, press. Yeah. So okay, no that, lobbying that's probably either. also... So that's definitely... <laughs> yeah. 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 I totally agree with that. But I will say overall, I do think there are legislators, and, and I'm not going to name names either, <laughs> but uh, that in my opinion, have proven this session that they do care about their constituents and they are open to having those conversations. And you can see that, you know, represented in, in the bills that they choose to sponsor and, and the stories behind why they're there. Um, and there are definitely some that aren't, you know, <laughs> and that's uh, probably 
uh, a bigger majority than it should be for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. No, that's surprising and that scares me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So as you know, a younger person, a Gen Z, you, you would consider yourself Gen Z? I would, although I will say I read, I read that question and I was like, huh, I never thought about classifying myself like that. But yeah, technically. <laughs> I, was, I was about to say, if you want to argue that you're a millennial, I'll, I'll go to bat because I'm the end of the millennials and I will argue that to the end of my I'm, death. I'm an elder millennial. Um, <laughs> I fought it for a long time, but I'm here for it now. So curious to know. <laughs> Basically, okay, you're you're able to see all of these representatives and legislators. And in Nevada, I think, you know, not everybody is fully representative of their constituency. And so as a young person in this experience, what is your overall sentiment of the current demographic of the legislature? It's tough because, I mean, uh Correct me if I'm wrong, although I'm pretty sure I'm not. I mean, we have a, a female majority. We do. Legislature right now, which We're is pretty awesome. We're the only one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which fem- is pretty awesome. We, However. We have both a female and, well, I don't know other state legislatures, but I know when I look at ours, we have more younger faces than others. And it's, they're not as young. They're not as young as I'd like them to be, but they're not. <laughs> As old as I don't want them to be, I guess is what I'm saying there. There's, I think, a lot of potential when you see young people getting involved in politics uh, for for the better. And I I could agree with the sentiment that there's definitely some older legislators that maybe, you know, could save the seat space for someone else to have that kind of opportunity. And it is awesome that we have a, a female majority legislature. That's really great. I definitely think we could see more lgbtq plus representation in the legislature for sure that would be the biggest one i think is just seeing more diverse voices having the ability to you know make arguably one of the biggest impacts on on the laws that shape us today i look at the ones that do uh, fall under the lgbtq umbrella in our legislature and most of them fall under one letter so i i can understand it you're so funny (laughs) (laughs) You gotta be so vague. <laughs> uh, look, I. <laughs> uh, that's fine. That's I have no letters. I don't know how. I, I, I gotta talk about this carefully. <laughs> that's fine. You're, you're with others who have letters. <laughs> I have letters. <laughs> so, I mean, and this, it's a great follow up to what we're kind of talking about, but it can go to representatives, roles duties, time frames, pay, anything in considering, but you know, what what do you think is missing? And is there one thing? Is there multiple things? Is it a like, you know, give us everything, please. <laughs> T- tell us everything. Yes. <laughs> give it give us the, the meat and potatoes. Yeah. I would say that's a hard question. Start with your smallest complaint and then just start growing no. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, I mean, there are opportunities, like I was saying, for people to get involved. I think there's more opportunities than than most people know about. There could always definitely be more, right? Can you give examples Um, of what you mean by opportunity so that our listeners have uh, an idea of what that would mean? Both what is and what could, like what you're talking about of what could be or some possible expansions, yeah. Yes, please. Definitely. 
So uh, to start, like, you know, legislators should be, I should say, available for constituents to be able to reach out to them. Mm-hmm. That could definitely be increased with more opportunities or more follow up. Um, the second thing is, you know, any time that a bill is being reviewed, there is always opportunity for public testimony. Um, and that means anyone from the public can go in person in Carson City or Las Vegas and uh, testify in support or opposition of a bill or neutral, if that's how they feel. Um, they can call in, uh, too. So if they're not able to attend in person, depending on the time, because some of these bills get reviewed at really odd times or the hearings are eight hours long and, you know, they kind of <laughs> just review 25 things all at once and then you have to hop in whenever it works. But um, or their live stream. So that's a great way to be able to track when to give a phone call as well. However, you know, then there's issues too, when we're cramming so many bills in at once, which is partly due to the tight timeline, right? But that can definitely cut into time given for people to be able to give comments. Uh, Everyone is supposed to receive two minutes to be able to say their piece. And sometimes that's shorter. Sometimes it's longer, depending on how many people are there or how pressing an issue is or how much stuff is coming after that or how late it is in the day already. Um, And I think we could definitely be doing more to standardize that two minutes to make sure that people showing up have the ability to make their voice heard. I think those would be the two biggest things for me. Other complaints, let me think. Hmm. The coffee's cold. Um, <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, uh, I will say every time I go, the food does smell good. I, I can't complain about that. Okay. okay. <laughs> I think for me, the biggest thing is just making sure that we're creating fair opportunities for everyone to get involved so that they know what's going on. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask a follow-up because I'm just going to, you know, cut through the cornfield and just ask what I want you to answer. <laughs> Do you think... Creating fair opportunities, do you think the ability for public comment, do you think the ability to engage with our representatives would be better improved if our legislature was a full-time legislature or we had more time or it was longer than 180 days? Do you think we would benefit from that or do you think it would harm our system being someone who's working on the inside of it? I think it would improve it for sure. For all of those reasons, I think... You know, most legislators, in fact, well, uh, I'll stick with most, you know, this is obviously not their full-time job. It's a 180-day gig. Uh, You know, they're representatives for as long as their term lasts, but they have jobs outside of this. You know, they are workers in everyday society. They're teachers, they're dentists, you know, you name it, they're that. So offering it as a full-time position, I think could definitely increase opportunities for them to be able to meet the demands because, you know, 180 days is a tight timeline mm-hmm. and, you know, that definitely creates barriers to people from the public being able to get involved. Are you including the weekends in that 180? Cause I thought it was 120 or am I just horribly wrong this entire time? You know what? I'm actually horribly wrong. It's 120. Yeah. I've okay, got Elsa I, I, on my brain right no, now. I, I 180 just is the perfect okay. score there. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's 120. Okay. My brain's just everywhere right now. Tim, I think you led him astray because I think you said 180 first. Actually. Hey, that could have been me. Oh, well. It, it's all the same. Um, as for the timeline, like uh, that one I'm not sure about. I, I don't know that it would harm our system necessarily to 
increase the timeline because i mean there are many bills that are quality bills that there's just not enough time for them to get scheduled for hearing and they die before they even get out of the first committee because Mm -hmm. uh you know deadlines are so tight and they're packing so much in so for reasons like that i could definitely see extending the deadline being beneficial however i don't know that i would i don't know that i have a strong argument that that would harm the system or make it better either you were saying that the days are not like Monday through Friday, nine to five, right? You're saying like eight in the morning till late at night. And um, do you think if there was a longer session that that would change or no? <laughs> Tim shaking his head no. I'm asking Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not speaking. I'm just. <laughs> I don't I, I well I mean I, I'd like to think that it would right but uh, at the same time you know half of that battle is legislators putting in bills uh, super late or trying to you know not having things uh, super finished in time which then again could be improved by having a longer session right or full-time positions but half that battle is bills coming in in that last week and then Mm-hmm. You know, pushing to get a hearing date and pushing to get a work session and, you know, pushing to make it out of that committee and into the House floor or the Senate floor or wherever. Um, so I don't know. I think it could improve it, but I don't know that it would fix the issue. It's the same fallacy of the Internet. You improve the Internet speeds and they just make better apps to fill the <laughs> fill the space that they're providing. To take so. advantage of yep. Exactly. The processing yeah. power and bandwidth. Yeah, if you schedule the time, you'll fill the time. That's right. It's the Pareto principle, everybody. <laughs> there you go. Yep. So you had this internship, and it's well, allowed still you to have, still have. Yeah, he, yeah. You still finished. You're, with yeah, it. you're still you're still in it. Yep. You're still in it. Still and, going. Yeah, and you've been exposed to how this process works, and seeing how more people can get involved and there's opportunity are there as an individual, as a voter and an individual, as a Nevadan in this session, as you've been able to observe, are there specific bills that you have been personally following closely um, that you want to see push through or not or evolve uh, and why? Definitely. Um, First one that comes to mind, we can talk about Senate Bill 163. Um, That's a gender-affirming care bill. So what it would do is require all insurance providers in the state of Nevada to uh, include gender-affirming care procedures, you know, whatever that may be. That's like, you know, that's uh, therapy, that's surgeries, that's uh, plastic surgery, that's uh, hormone replacement therapy, kind of any of those things. Um, it would require them to cover it, um, which would be awesome. So I'm following that one. Nice. Made it out of the the Senate. We're in the House now, so we'll see how that goes. Other ones, let's see. Um, Senate Bill 107, that bill would put tighter guardrails on how Nevada uses solitary confinement in you know Nevada state prisons. That's just a passion issue of mine. Uh, do you know much about that? No, but I assume this more. is the yeah. criminal justice uh, part of yes. you <laughs> showing. Uh, yeah, tell <laughs> us more, please. Yeah, sure. Definitely, yeah. So uh, Nevada actually has a higher mass incarceration rate than the entire nation. Uh, so we're just incarcerating anybody and everybody. Yeah, so solitary confinement is a punitive uh, punishment method, I guess. Typically, it's reserved for uh, violent offenders who um, you know are a danger to themselves or others. Um, however... 
The Nevada Department of Corrections doesn't have really any regulations on how they use it. And I can't remember the exact number, but a, a fairly large portion compared to what it should be of Nevada prisoners are actively in solitary confinement at any given time. And uh, we don't have guardrails on how long they have to be there. We don't have set review processes for getting them out. Um, we've got a portion of Nevada prisoners who have been in solitary confinement for more than 10 years. What? And if you don't know what solitary confinement is, yeah, so it's uh, they're locked in independent cell- cells 23 hours a day. They get one hour a day for outside time. That outside time is also locked in an independent cage. Um, and most of them don't actually get to claim that one hour. So they are getting no human interaction. Uh, a lot of the times they're placed in solitary confinement for very little like issues. So like if they, uh, you know, they get into an argument with, with a guard, you know, then they're in solitary for six months, you know, things like that. And it's, awful. It's inhumane. It's proven to cause uh, irreparable psychological damage. Mm -hmm. A lot of Nevada prisoners that are in solitary are then immediately released back into society because that's something we don't think about a lot is majority of incarcerated individuals will return to society at some Mm -hmm. point, right? Mm -hmm. And there's no rehabilitation efforts between the time that they leave solitary and then re-enter society and it ups their chances way more of recidivating because they're not prepared for life outside of prison, especially when they've been alone for however long and really alone, right? Like stuck with your thoughts, no entertainment, nothing there. So Senate bill 307 is a, I hope it passes. It it just passed the Senate. So it's in the house now. Let me ask you this. What do you think the probability is with, um, with our current governor? That's the one I, (laughs) I think it could definitely pass out of the house. I don't know that that the governor would sign it. He's very tough on crime. You're right with all you were saying. I was just then going to ask, do you think it can be like, do you think we can pull a Republican in the Senate to overturn it? I think it's possible. I don't know that it'll happen, but I think it's possible in the sense that it's not an extreme bill. It's not saying Nevada can't use solitary confinement. It's simply saying, uh, you know, here are some guardrails we can do to make sure we're using this as humanely as possible. So it's putting into place review processes within certain periods of time. It's making sure that individuals in solitary have a period when they get out of solitary before they reenter society so that they're getting used to being around people. It's making therapy available to individuals in solitary so that they are able to cope with some of the things that they've experienced. Uh, It's making available that they can, you know, make phone calls daily to people at home so that they're able to have conversations and get used to being around people again. So, I mean, it's not, it's not impossible, but then again, uh, you know, we've got the issue Tough on crime is a hot take uh, in in politics, and <laughs> yeah. so I don't know. But yeah, as far as like the governor signing it, I, I wouldn't bank money on that. He, uh, the governor's office, released a bill, Senate Bill four twelve. I'm not sure if you guys are uh, familiar with it, and that is uh, it's a shit show in my opinion. <laughs> it's uh, like sixty eight pages of just like the most fun you've ever had, uh, ironically, because it's really not. Is this um, the omnibus bill like, he's trying to pass? I'm not sure. This is, it's all criminal justice uh, provision. So it's, uh, you know, creating mandatory minimums for anything with fentanyl inside of it, whether it's cut with fentanyl and an individual doesn't know that or not, or regardless, 
it's um what's the other thing it's like requiring bail be put on most uh i like requiring most defendants to have bail requirements and uh, instructing judges to presume that all defendants can pay high bail sanctions it's like there's a lot too it's like putting limits on specialty courts uh just like it's 68 pages of just like a pure Oh, God. Because so. specialty <laughs> courts did nothing good for this state ever. And I'm saying that ironically oh, yeah, no. because right, they, right. they have done a lot good. They're good courts. and Definitely. Oh, yeah. definitely. Yeah. So uh, if you get free time and feel like reading 68 pages of a cluster, then <laughs> go for it. Well, it, it's not full 68 pages. There's most of it's the existing law. It's some dash. Oh, yeah. It's some yeah. guts. And, yeah. Got it. Yep. It's like well, 40 pages, but yeah. <laughs> there, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we'll see how that one goes. It's, uh, I think it got a waiver, so it hasn't even been heard yet, but mm. we'll see. Okay. Uh, is there anything else, Ryan, that, you know, that you are personally following or is that sum it up for you? And then if not, I'll hand it over yeah. to you. Yeah. I mean, there's so many, so I'll name a couple more really quick, but, you know, there's Senate Bill 131 that would protect reproductive Freedom in the Nevada Constitution. Mm-hmm. That would be awesome. Uh, we've got... Yes, yes. Hoping for that one. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember the exact bill number on this one. It's It might be AB 161. I could be totally wrong there. Uh, but there's a bill out there right now that's... Um, I believe it's in Ways and Means right now. So they're trying to figure out budgeting for it. But it would create a voluntary designation on uh, vehicle registration and driver's licenses that someone could state they have a communication impairment so that if an officer is coming into contact with an individual who is, you know, hard of hearing or, or might have autism or other like neurodivergent uh, communication issues, um, that way the officer knows to handle the situation differently um, to protect the safety of this individual. And um, so that would be cool. There's a ton of, of really great stuff out there for sure. Well, cool. Well, thanks for sharing that. And I'll let Tim, Tim uh, well, ask any other the questions. The final one, you're on the inside. I like the inside scoop on everything. And you got to probably hear it a little bit closer than most. But what can you say on this whole fentanyl thing going through? Because I know that people are accusing other sides of lying and saying the wrong thing. And I don't quite, it, it, there's a lot of who's saying what and finger. Give us the scoop. What do you got? I... <laughs> the fentanyl legislation is just kind of a mess. Um, and, and, uh, this is all my personal take too. Can you break it down from, from the beginning too, just so if nobody knows what we're talking about, that definitely that they have some foundational understanding. So the two main ones that I'm following the two bills, um, they're, uh, sister bills, I think is what they call them. So it's Senate bill 35 and Senate bill, 343, I believe, and they are legislation that would create mandatory minimum sentencing guidelines for fentanyl and uh, or anything with fentanyl derivatives in it. And so some of the issues with that is I think first we can talk about, you know, war on drugs legislation doesn't work. It has never worked. <laughs> and it's uh, not the way to be able to fix these issues. Uh, in my opinion, if these bills get passed, which scarily, I think there's a big chance that they could. All all that these are really going to do is make it to where less people who are addicted to uh, fentanyl or other drugs um, 
it's not going to reduce overdoses. It's going to keep people from calling for help because they are going to be scared that they're going to be criminally sanctioned with these extreme mandatory minimum sentences. Uh, both of these bills are weight based. So what that means is instead of looking at, I don't know, I guess how else you could look at it, but they're basically saying, oh, if you have anywhere from four grams to 14 grams, you've got a category C felony, you've got one to five years in prison, you've got a $50,000 fine. And, um, yeah, and that's kind of it. And with mandatory minimums, unlike other types of laws, right? You don't really maintain that same presumption of innocence because you don't mm -hmm. get to plead that why you're innocent. You don't get that opportunity. It's you have this, okay, you're guilty of this and that's it. There's no opportunity for defense really. And so wow. this is tough because uh, it's a public health issue and it's not something that our prisons are equipped to be able to take care of and fix. And a lot of the uh, debate around both of these bills in the legislature right now is uh, there's big concern with, you know, a lot of the drugs that we're seeing in this area recently are cut with fentanyl because it's cheaper. And so a lot of people are getting drugs that they think is something else and they take it and it's fentanyl and they overdose or, you know, they're caught with it and there's fentanyl inside and they didn't even know that. And now they're suddenly going to be subject to these extreme punishments for something they didn't even know they had. And as far as I'm aware, that's where a lot of the arguments are coming in there is concerns that this is setting people up for failure in that sense, because we have a problem with our drugs being cut with fentanyl right now. Some of the other concerns, I guess, arguments between some of the legislators too, is just kind of you know, we've got some that are gung-ho on like, this is a big issue and this is how we can fix it because fentanyl is a big issue and, and there does need to be something yeah. done about it, right? But then there are other legislators who recognize that maybe this isn't the best approach to take because it's provenly not worked. And so Senate Bill 35 is uh, sponsored and proposed by the Attorney General's office. And uh, when he first introduced the bill, he's uh, made this whole point about how he's been having nightmares about introducing this bill because he thinks it's the right thing to do and it's something to be done, but uh, he doesn't want to reinstate the war on drugs in Nevada. And he's talking about this and, and the argument from many is that's exactly what you're doing. This is reminiscent of recycled right. legislation from that time period, from the 1970s that hasn't worked. and It doesn't work today. And it's, so there's a lot of, debate around why this would be the approach to take to fix the issue. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it criminalizes those who have it like kind of with them, but it doesn't go out of its way to criminalize those who are selling it or those who are distributing it. It's more of just criminalizing kind of the use and the, the end up having it. it it's the yeah, it's user. criminalizing the bottom, not the top. Right. Or Am I so that's the other thing too that you just reminded me of, so thank you. That's the other part of debate in this is they're using the term trafficking, so uh, they're criminalizing the trafficking of fentanyl for the purpose of sale or the possession for the purpose of sale, but they're going after such low doses, so they're saying that they're going after the cartels, the manufacturers, mm. people that are putting this out um, and endangering Nevadans right on the large scale. But then they're focusing on such low doses that they're going 
after addicts and that's illegal yeah, obviously the user yep and the term trafficking is in possession for purpose of sale is just so vague because four grams uh, is so little uh, in the hearing i believe it was erica roth so she's the lobbyist for the uh, washoe county public defender's office and she holds up i believe it's four sugar packets and she's like this is four grams this is how much I could get five years in prison for, right? And it's just wow. mind-boggling because you look at that, and that's not the cartel, right? That's the person that bought Coke off the street, and they don't know it's cut with fentanyl. Or that's someone who's addicted mm-hmm. to fentanyl and needs, you know, health or needs help through healthcare, who is now going to be thrown in prison for one to five years where they're not going to receive that help. Um, And so there was a lot of debate around that, too, between legislators, just as far as what is the real goal here with this? Mm -hmm. But then again, I mean, it passed out of the committee and it passed out of the Senate. Yeah, I was going to say it it has been passing, right? Yep. Pretty, pretty quickly. Yes. So, well, I... I was really against this until I heard the four grams because then all my chemist flags went up because I know how much fentanyl it takes to like cause an overdose in a human and it's in the milligram level. It's Um, tiny, isn't it? it? It's extremely tiny. Uh, I went to college, which is why I'm going to say I know this because I knew a lot of people (laughs) and this is the only way reason I know this. Like that much of cocaine is a lot of cocaine. So that much of fentanyl, which is so much worse, is that's mm-hmm. a lot. Um, so that's where I'm like, no, no, no. I I fully hear what you're saying of they're going after you know the smaller people and the smaller fish, but four grams of fentanyl is a lot of fentanyl. And like I I mm-hmm. I 100 understand what Erica was arguing when she said, hey, you know, like four grams, it's not physically a large amount. But then we have to take into consideration what that amount could do. Definitely. Um, There's always that flip side. And as the chemist, that's the only reason I want to bring that forward because you can have something that like, oh, it's it's a small amount, but like a smaller amount could still kill you. And I'm not even talking fentanyl anymore. I'm talking like, like poisons that we know of in animals and things. And it's like, oh, you could have a drop and like it takes the amount on a pen tip to kill you. So it's like, I definitely. And I think uh, Mm -hmm. that's an important point to make too, right? This is, this is an issue and it does need to be handled. I don't think this is the right way to handle it. I think we need to be handling it through public health reform. However, that's definitely part of the argument of the attorney general's Mm -hmm. office, as well as I can't remember what uh, legislator is uh, sponsoring SB. 343 because again they're they're basically the same bill but um that's part of the argument too you know is you know it's so deadly in small amounts that like this feels appropriate but i just don't think uh, yeah yeah i i think i think you're right of it's it's a problem it needs to be addressed and like something needs Mm -hmm. to be done but we also have Mm -hmm. to at least you know recognize to some point like hey we can't be we can't be criminalizing the people who might accidentally find it in their possession and have, you know, 
a, a, an unreasonable amount, but it's still, there's a line. We have to be looking at restorative <laughs> justice. We have to be looking at it as a public health issue, not as a, yeah. a criminal issue. It's not, it's the cartels and it's the distributors who are the criminals, not the, the sad users buying it. Yeah, definitely. Ryan, is there anything else you, while you, while you have the mic, uh, that you want to share with us and everyone who's listening? I guess, like, uh, my final sentiment would just be to anybody listening, like, don't be scared to get involved. You know, um, uh, the legislature is streaming all of these hearings every single day. You can watch them on YouTube. You can watch them on Nellis, the website that kind of holds all of that legislative information. Um you know, make that phone call, write that letter of support. It's a, uh, it does something, even if it's little. So, and correct me if I'm wrong, but they can also email in their testimony to all of yes. those bills as well. So, many ways to get, you know, their their stuff submitted, right? Yep, you can email in, and in fact, I think they prefer uh, that you do that in conjunction with with calling or showing up too, because especially if there's, you know, a time where they're cutting short testimony. Uh, that gives you the opportunity to say everything you want to say, even if it doesn't fit in two minutes. Mm. Yep. And it gets to my understanding, it gets committed to the record after. So regardless yep. of if you made the public comment or the call, you'll still get into that public record for that. And then I'm told, I can't guarantee this, but I'm told our <laughs> legislatures will use those public comments to gauge how they vote sometimes because they'll be able to read through those exhibits and say, oh, you know, these many people actually wrote in for support of this. So getting that in the record is always good. Yeah, it definitely helps because then they're able to see, hey, this is actually an issue people care about in one way or another. So, yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you again, yes. Ryan, so much for making time to connect with us and as Tim says, giving us the inside scoop yes, on this current session. It's been awesome just chatting with you. And uh, we hope that your internship ends in just such an incredible way. And it's just an experience that you get to take with you forever, you know, and uh, propels you forward in your, your career aspirations. Toward the empty well. building. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will. Yeah, toward the empty. <laughs> well, thanks, Ryan. Yes, thank you. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Of course. Yeah. Let's get into what broke our brains this week. Uh, if my mine's kind of serious. I mean, my, I mine's kind of serious too. It might be the same thing, okay. but like I oh. don't I didn't have much to be quite frank yeah. because we recorded so recently. I've had a yeah. lot of personal stuff going on, so I've had a lot of that rattling around my head. But like the mm -hmm. fuck's going on in Texas? Like, yes, they got the, it, our thing they is got the, the same shooting, thing. but then today they got the guy just driving into people. It like before I thought it was like, okay, well, it's it's crazy Texans being crazy Texans. Maybe we should definitely look at concealed carry laws more and more and make sure that you know we're we're being responsible and we're having proper gun regulation. But then the shit today, I'm just like, what the fuck's going on down there? Like, what are they putting in the water? Yeah. Like, is it because <laughs> it, it's beyond just. Yeah. I like I everything I said prior is still something we have to do and it's something yeah. we have to look at but like the fuck <laughs> yeah yeah so cool our broke our brain is the same um I guess it's not so much breaking my brain 
that another mass shooting happened. Sadly, uh, no, my my brain is keep, my brain is broken happening. that like three have happened in Texas within the last yes. week. Yes. And when I say three, I'm including the 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 what the incident that happened today with the SUV. Correct. I'm not and I yes, know that yes, that yes. wasn't a shooting, but like there it's is not, but it's a mass, yeah, mass, a mass casualty, casualty. There is incident. something going on. That's what's breaking my brain cuz the, the gun yes. regulations, the gun policy, it's something that we're going to be continually talking about until something happens within our government, period. Like, there there will have yeah. to be a change, and it will be a continual argument. We've seen the last now 20 different incidents that included a gun were all from the same type of gun. There will be something mm-hmm. that happens in the future. With yeah. that being said— yeah. I, yeah, my brain's broken because it's all in Texas this last week, man. Like— so- <laughs> yeah. So what what got me, okay, cuz I I was working yesterday and this popped up and so I was combing through some of the news articles that were being shared and like legit this probably sounds terrible. I'm looking for all the bullshit phrases like thoughts and prayers or and I noticed that at least in the articles that I read People were very careful not to use that phrase. Uh, I didn't run into anybody saying our thoughts and prayers. Well, yeah, because we're starting to roast them blah, blah, for blah. it. We are. We're using it against them at this point. But I read, I read a quote from the U.S. Representative Keith Self, who tweeted that the Allen Police Department was in full control of the scene. And I just thought, what the fuck does that even mean? What do you mean you're in full control of the scene of another incident where somebody just rolled up and shot a bunch of people? Like, how can you in any right mind assume any control over something like this? uh, It is delusional. And I just, that is the part that broke my brain. Like... The phrasing that is used by some of these states well, who struggle here, with a, I'll, a lot I'll of this. I'll just put the cherry on top because this isn't even me. Bro- <laughs> like you're not breaking my brain as much of like, well, okay. Um, I'm a little desensitized to some things. I'll admit that. I was a chicken farmer. I'm it's sure it's a lot a, of it's us. weird. No, no, no. Like I'm physically sure. desensitized to some things. And I I I've yeah, still gone out of my way to avoid what's been going on on Twitter over the past couple of days. Cuz under mm-hmm. current Musk control, shit's an open playground. Um if you yeah, have, if you've ever read Orcs and Crake, mm-hmm. um and I don't know how many of our readers have because it's a very rare book that many have read, but I'd recommend everyone at least reads the synopsis because it's not worth the read as an adult, but read the synopsis <laughs> online. In the book, something that always stood out to me was the idea that in this dystopian future online, you could simply enter in your 18 plus password because every adult had a password that was 18 plus and they could see whatever the mm-hmm. fuck they wanted. It was the dark web just uncirculated because mm. if they were over a consenting age, they were free to see whatever. Sure. And that's what Twitter is minus the password. It's it's very mm. scary right now. That's what it's turning yeah. into right now. And I've gone out of my way to avoid most of what is on there. And even what I have seen by pure accident, they weren't in fucking control. No. They were dead. Yep. 
That's exactly my point. They were actually dead. Yes. That, uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. So, so. yeah. Not that. Yeah. Shit's, that's, I, that's, I have no plans mm-hmm. of going to Texas anytime soon. Um, in light of that, I also have no plans of going to Florida anytime soon. Um, For sure not. Yeah. I will say, uh, honestly, like, uh, legit, straight up, I mean, you know, uh, we both work with the public. I think about this every day, potentially happening at at my place of work, right? And it's it's hard not to. It's hard not to think about that when you work in a place where there are so many people that gather. I... I think about it less, and I I think it's because of the population density map that I looked at earlier, and let me explain. There was a map that I saw earlier where every state was sized based on its relative population density, and Nevada was maybe the third or fourth smallest of all the states. There was maybe three that were smaller and one that was non-existent, so we're pretty low down there. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm not done. (laughs) We've had some major ones and we've had some massive incidents, but they were in our largest population center during even larger events that drew large crowds. And maybe that's the, the lie that I tell myself to make myself feel better. I don't know. Like, I'm not even saying that, like, you're wrong in your feelings because. I mean, churches, schools, grocery stores, shopping malls. It doesn't matter anymore. And I don't disagree with that. (laughs) I just, oddly enough, I feel like we're insignificant enough to where it won't hit us yet. And that's, (laughs) I know, I know. And I'm not saying we as in you and I. I'm saying we as in. No, I know what you mean. We know Nevada. Like, it's. And it sure. could happen, and it, it, I don't want to dismiss that it's not, and I'm not saying everyone needs to put their guard down. And, you know, we, yeah. we live in a part of the state where, okay, you know what? Here, I'm going to tell you a story from yesterday. This actually happened okay. yesterday. I was attending a speech from one of my friends. He was, mm-hmm. he was out in Fallon talking. And he mentioned how he's currently working with a lot of rural counties. And some of the fears that the rural counties are dealing with is they've had individuals be shot at because they were Democrats in these counties. Firearms, like, like shots in their direction. I don't, I don't know the full details, but this was what was said. Recently? Yes, I know it's been recently, but I won't get into the details. But yes, shit, I'm not going. I'm not. I'm not even going to (laughs) cut to the end of the speech. (laughs) We're doing a bio break, and I go into the bathroom. Aaron's in one of the urinals. There's another individual, and there's an open urinal, and there's the Churchill County DA standing in the bathroom. And I was like, "Oh, are you waiting?" He's like, "No, no, no. I'm waiting to talk to that guy." And, he, and he, he would like to, to talk with the speaker who mentioned, hey, we've got these, this happening. And he was like, has this happened in my county? Because if it has, I want to know. I want their names. I want their addresses. That's not okay. That's not tolerable. We will not accept that. That is never going to happen. And this is a red county. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not going to guarantee, but I'm pretty sure he was. He leans more red than he does blue. And that was his stance of that's not okay. Yeah. We live in the, we live in a weird part of the Wild West where that's the mentality of like no 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 no. <laughs> you don't get yeah. to just be blatantly dumb. <laughs> and again, we and again, that, and I know everything that you. I'm not trying. To, I our don't. Definition of dumb I don't, is yeah. I, 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 I don't want to dismiss everything that you're saying. And again, these could just be the lies that I'm telling myself to make myself feel better. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it just is our reality. You know, yeah. it's sad. And to to it's the sad. to the words of what someone else said, it matters who your sheriff is, it matters who your district attorney is, it matters who these mm-hmm. people are and who we're voting for because they're the ones who will be enacting these protections and making sure right. it doesn't matter who you are, but we're going to make sure you're protected. We're going to make sure that things happen appropriately, yeah. legally. The proper protections are put forward. I mean, we've got a secretary of state trying to protect our poll workers. Like it's, mm-hmm. I know, yeah. I know it's not, you know, the full, it's not the solution, but as long as we at least keep putting the right people in the right spots, it might be the right yep. deterrent for us. It might be putting the right well, things forward. one day forward. at yeah. a time. One day at a time. Well, all right. Let's wrap it up. What the fuck's happening down south? Let's not go down there. <laughs> what you should do instead is hang out in Nevada. Listen to our <laughs> podcast because we've at least got some fun <laughs> politics. We've got some fun stuff up here. We're not as as nuts as the rest of the country. We've got some craziness, but, you know, we're still fun. Uh, we've got F1 coming here eventually. What? That's 23? I don't know. F1? F1 racing. Formula One. Yeah, oh, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I'm just speaking in general. I'm trying to, I'm trying know. to do some tourism. I can't yeah. keep track of all these sports. Exactly. Things. We might have the A's coming here. I'm not a fan of it. They just proposed. They just announced a high speed rail between California and Vegas. Come to the. St- They've been talking about that for 20 years. But the, it, it actually I'll just. It when I see it. Well, all six, not five, <laughs> all six of our congressional delegates wrote in support of getting this funding and getting the funding pushed forward and passed. I don't know. This is cool. news today. Where's hey, it hey, coming hey, from? I don't even support it because it means that we'd have to go through California and then back into Nevada to get from Reno to Vegas on a train. But that I digress there. Come to our state. Well, yeah, yeah. We've got tourism. We've got fun stuff. We've got skiing until, you know, June or July. And we've got our podcast. Listen to us. We're now on Apple Podcast <laughs> and Spotify. What's what's That's the right. yeah? What's the email for suggestions, comments, concerns, emotional outbursts, things you mm-hmm. want to hear about? It's hello at nvpoliticspodcast.com. Right into us next week. We'll be talking same things, different stuff. Review the review what we've talked about in our hash or rehashing. Hopefully, mm-hmm. our breaker broke our brain is a little bit more. I don't know, chill, less, just yeah. To, to fuck but hey still <laughs> listen to us we we love it we had an interview this week we don't know when our next interview will be but it will be sometime and hey if you yep. want to be interviewed write into us we'll look you up we'll see if you're if you're uh if you're oh god how do i say this nice uh, if you're <laughs> a credible okay source. if you're credible <laughs> if you're a credible source enough for us to talk to 
We will talk. Yeah, everybody, you are credible. You're everyone's. Credible. It's just if well, most. And that's the thing. If <laughs> if we want to, if we want to, if we think we want to hear from you, and our our viewers want to hear from you, we'll pursue it further. There we go. This this is only getting worse. <laughs> we should just go. We can now. cut it. We can cut it. Please come back next week. Like, subscribe, rate us, give us a thumbs up. See Bye. you then. Bye.